Welcome to the Hill Pursuit Podcast, where we talk about training and life. Enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hill Pursuit Podcast. I'm Hayden. This is Mitch. Mitch, how's it going, dude? It's good, man. It's good. Um, This one was a little different. We actually chatted like five minutes before we've been. We did. I think the last we had we had an extensive pre pre show meeting today. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't know if it was extensive, but it was something. It was something. It definitely Um, was not extensive, but yeah, you're right. The last couple we just kind of rolled right into it. if you're listening, we literally talked about nothing related to the show. So we did not have a meeting at all today. We just kind of uh, shop talk, I guess. But um, anyways, yeah, today's uh, November 17th is pretty crazy. Time's flying. Um, <laughs> 2021 is almost out the door, which is wild. So maybe we can talk about the holidays a little bit. But um, anyways, this is episode Mitch. I think it's 45, right? Is that right? You got it correct. Episode 45. If you're, if you've been listening, cool. Thanks. Keep listening. We're going to try to keep putting an episode out once a week. That's our goal. Um, We started this on December 31st, 2020. So we have, you know, what do we have here? Seven more episodes and we're, we're right on. So we're pretty darn close to about once a week. If we can get that in, um, the rest of 2021, I think that'd be pretty sweet. So keep, keep tuning in. It's not consistent every single week. It's not the same day, but if you're listening, thanks, share it, um, share it with friends and you can access all the other episodes on uh, Spotify, Podbean, Google podcasts, and on our website, hillpursuit.com, where you can also find the daily blog where we talk about training life, everything in between, just a little quick snapshot of what we're doing throughout the day. And also just a little, a little motivation. And if you can find a little nugget, that'd be awesome. So check it all out. Uh, Like it, subscribe to it, find us on social media at Hill Pursuit, Facebook, Instagram. We would love to connect with you. So thanks for doing all that. Speaking of, uh, you know, the daily blog of fitness training life, what, uh, what have you been getting into with your training lately? Yeah, man. You know, so right now my life has literally been like three things. It's uh, work, hunting, and training. Um, that's that's pretty much it, man. It's like if I'm not training, I'm in the woods or I'm at work. And if I'm not at work, I'm in the woods or training. It's uh, it's pretty much been it. So um, training right now, uh, I think we I kind of chatted before about it. I have another test um, mid-December. Um, so right now it's pretty based off relative strength and um kind of that kind of that carryover when you're kind of that anaerobic aerobic type stuff so like the 400 and 800 meter you know length um i've been messing around with uh, so what did i have today um today today wasn't it's not it's not exciting training it's just you know it's you got to be disciplined with it because Honestly, it's monotonous. It's the same thing, just repetitive. Um, yeah. Today I had uh, five sets of 26 burpees with a minute rest. And then um, I moved into, uh, it was supposed to be every 90 seconds, but I'm not going to lie, I didn't, I didn't make every 90 seconds. It was uh, 
five sets of 38 body weight squats with a 20 pound kit or vest on. Um, and then you move into nine, every 90 seconds of, uh, five perfect pull-ups by five rounds, which that was fine. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to average the 38 squats for every 90 seconds. I mean, even if it was like two seconds of squat, I mean, that's, that's moving. You know yeah. I mean? Um, and then I've been messing around with one little thing. I, I'm a firm believer. If you're going to do a program, do it to a T, but I, uh, which I am pretty much doing it to a T I miss days here and there. Like I said, it's hunting season. So I don't like comes one time a year. So whatever. Um, so then I, uh, been messing around. I've been like picking a body part and I put like a three minute running clock on and I'll do 10 to 15 seconds, um, of as many 10, I'll do 10 to 15 reps. Um, and then of whatever exercise I choose, I'll put the weight down for like 10 seconds and just repeat that for like a three minute cycle. So like the other day I did, uh, and it's just isolation movements. Yeah. Um, it's just to get, you know, a little extra work in some areas that maybe are lacking. So, um, I hate training arms. Like I absolutely despise like doing curls. And, um, uh, so today I did, uh, I'm kind of having fun with it. I, I took a wrist strap and I put it through the horn of a kettlebell. I just did sets of 10 for three minutes, um, cool. straight, um, until, until that was done. So, trying to find ways to mix it up a little bit. So that was cool. And I just been messing some movements up. I did high pools the other day for it. So just kind of having fun with that, but yeah, it's been good. And, you know, just getting some running in. Yeah. Good. I mean, dude, it, today was actually um, a gorgeous day. Uh, it was like in the sixties here today, it was a little breezy. The sun wasn't really out, but um, the last couple mornings there was frost on the ground. I actually, <laughs> I had a long run come up and, you know, for right now, a long run is no more than like eight or nine miles. I would say this was somewhat long run. It was like seven or so. Mm -hmm. And it came up and the only like real time I had to do it was in the morning and it was 20 degrees and freezing. It just like, it destroyed, it didn't destroy me, but it, it like mentally I was like, come on, this is like my first, like, real long run in in you know six weeks or so i've just been doing some shorter stuff and i was like you know what i don't care like you said if you're gonna do a program you get into it and i still got the run in and i just made i just told myself i'm gonna go as slow as i possibly can and just one enjoy being outside to get my volume in that i need to and plus i don't really i'm not gonna use running in the off season this is somewhat a new route uh, revelation. It's not like crazy mind blowing stuff, but I'm not going to use my running in the off season for like any anaerobic work. I'm just yeah. going to keep all my running super, super light just because it's the stress on the body. And I'm going to, um, just get my, just save the anaerobic work for the gym, for the bike, for the, for the pool. So, um, anyways, I, I just took it super, super slow. It turned out to be a gorgeous run. The sun was coming up. I mean, it, it was freezing, but it was awesome. It was a great run. It really was. <clears throat> and, um, I remember back when you were in school, you, you said to me, you did something similar to that all the time, so similar to your three minute running clock and just, just getting uh, a bunch of volume in, in that three minutes, you said something like you picked a movement 
and you changed it every session and you just got a hundred reps at the end. <laughs> oh yeah. It was usually, uh, I did face pulls a lot, face pulls and, uh, yeah. uh, yeah. And, uh, band pool boards would usually just so, hit like a hundred so reps that, of those. That overarching principle has stuck with you for, you know, what, five, six years now. So that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah, man. It's super yeah. light. I like it's that. Super light. Just get volume in. Yep. I like that. That's good. Mm -hmm. Well, cool. So, um, I had something kind of neat that, um, I guess we could start off talking about and then just kind of go wherever, but, um, I went to that American college of sports medicine conference. Yeah, That's right. We haven't chatted since then. Yeah, what was that? It was two weeks ago now. Yeah. It was great. Uh, you know, we had some students present, which was really cool. Present some original research. Um, two of my colleagues gave talks, which is great. Good, good for the college. Obviously it looks good to, to do that stuff, um, in those, in those big, uh, big settings, I guess. Um, I sat in on a talk on blood flow restriction. That's weird, dude. I had a conversation with someone about that the other day. That's yeah, funny that, to say that. Dude, it's weird for me too, because this conference was two weeks ago and then just today in the pool, um, some old timer, <laughs> while I'm resting in the, in, on the side of the pool in, in the middle of my intervals, he's like, Hey, you ever hear that, uh, putting, putting bang, <laughs> Seriously, this, this is how he's saying it. He's like, you ever, you ever hear about putting bands on your arms and on your legs and working out? <laughs> I looked at him and I just kind of chuckled one because I had like two seconds left in my interval, of course, uh -huh. but like, whatever, if he's going to talk to me, that's completely fine. It doesn't bother me. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's a uh, blood flow restriction. And he goes, oh, yeah, cool. He's like, you believe in that? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, you're opening a can of worms here. Like, <laughs> I could go a hundred different ways with that question. Do you believe in that? So um, I, I literally just said to him, I was like, hey, let's talk sometime because I just went to a presentation on it and I learned a little bit and um, it was kind of cool. So anyways, um, Going into that presentation, I wasn't super familiar with what blood flow restriction really was. I obviously I've heard of it. It's, you know, it's popular. People use it without even knowing what they're doing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. one of those, it's one of those things that people see in mainstream and they see it work for somebody. So they just kind of blindly do it without knowing anything about it. And I think that is literally blood flow restriction training to a T like so many people have no clue what's actually happening. Even the research on BFR is so conflicting because the mechanism of how it actually works isn't really, isn't fully understood. Like it's somewhat understood and people allude to the physiology behind it, but it's just, there's so many conflicting papers on BFR that, uh, it's interesting. At the very least, it's interesting. It's not really for me, I don't think, but it is interesting. Anyways, going into that talk, my only exposure to it was um, when I was a doc student, someone else was doing a study on BFR with heavy back squats. Ooh. Yeah. So um, my, my general understanding, and I, I can say I'm definitely not an expert in BFR at all, but I, I mean, either a little bit is you occlude blood flow to 
a limb at the most proximal point on the limb as you can. So with a back squat, with the, you know, the, the primary muscles that are, that are working are all of the large muscles in your lower body and some of your posterior chain. So um, you set the occlusion. It's basically just like a blood pressure cuff or a strap. They have all different sorts of fancy things that occlude to very specific millimeters of mercury or occlude to very specific percentages of blood flow to that limb. Anyways, you occlude it to about a, I think it's like an 80% um, completely occluded percentage. I'm, I'm pretty sure. And essentially the adaptation that you see is a similar adaptation to strength training with heavy resistance, but without having to use heavy resistance. So you can oh. do, you can, you're tra it, training at a higher intensity essentially, but without the actual. Yeah. Without the yeah. actual weight. Yeah, so, exactly. you know, an easy, an easy example, if you're just putting numbers to it would be, um, you know, if you're, if your one rep max back squat is 300 pounds, but you, you occlude your lower body to 80% occlusion or 80, whatever the occlusion is, of course it differs study to study, but you occlude your lower body partially and, um, you lift 150 pounds. So you, you're literally lifting 50%. And in some, in some cases you can lift as little as 30% and still see benefits of benefits that are similar to training with about, you know, a traditional strength percentage of a one RM of about 80 to 85%, but you're not using the load. So you're still seeing the adaptation muscularly in terms of, you know, increase in muscle size adaptations to the, the number of muscle fibers, the fiber types, the, um, um, what else am I trying to say? Size, fiber types, and oh, I had something else. But you're seeing similar adaptations to um, more traditional strength training, which is like really neat. So, yeah, you know, without, without training for strength, you can essentially see strength adaptations. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, apparently, you know, and it's, it, I'll admit it's somewhat above my head. Like I'm not, I have little to no experience with it aside from, putting weight on my back and including my legs as part of a study one time, you know, I have not looked into it personally. i literally just sat in one talk and it was pretty interesting, but anyways, what are your thoughts? Yeah. A couple of things. Um, pretty much the most like apple app, applicable experience that I ever have with it is, um, I was doing some strength work at a college. Um, and, uh, sometimes at the end of the, the sessions, um, the athletes wanted to do some, some stuff they wanted to do so they would throw some some bands on their uh their proximal part of their arm so above their bicep yeah and um they would do some curls you know and sometimes the coaches would jump in and do some you know nothing to where it's going to take out of their training you know what i mean um yeah. just something a little bit something they felt that they had some freedom to do so that's probably much the only thing I have experience wise I have read about it a little bit and that's why I was kind of going to ask you the same thing where I'm kind of in the realm or you know whatever I read it's like it works but you know the how 
it works or the why it works isn't 100% known at this point is kind of what I've, you know, and it's been a bit, it's been a little bit since I really dove into any papers, not near like you, not near like you have. Um, so a couple of things I was going to ask you is like, one, did they give you the mechanism in which it works? And then two, um, like populations, it would be applicable for, because, you know, there's some like immediately I've think of like the elderly, you know, I, I thought of that guy and, you know, um, I was seeing like someone's elderly say they can't lift that heavy weight, but they're able to, you know, restrict something and get a higher intensity. Um, yeah, like, is it, yeah. is it beneficial? But I mean, then you got it. There's other things that you have to look out for too, I'm sure. But I wasn't, I was curious if they gave some examples. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <clears throat> that was the biggest take home that I, that I actually gathered from, from the, the entire talk is, you know, frankly, the, the mechanisms were discussed or possible mechanisms were discussed, but I wasn't sitting there like taking detailed notes or anything. I was trying to take as much in, but, um, you know, I would probably have to read up on it a little bit more myself, which I made a note to, I just hadn't gotten around to it yet, but, um, it's just ironically came up this morning and I guess I should have, I should have read up on a a little bit if I was going to bring it up tonight. But anyways, um, it's, it's, um, it's unique in the sense that I think I, from what I remember, you're exactly right is it's not really relevant for people who can lift at those intensities Mm -hmm. because, uh, it's, it's little to no difference. And, the actual intensity of lifting is not as uncomfortable as BFR training because BFR training, it's like miserable. Like you have no oxygen and no blood flow, little, little to know in that limb or extremity or wherever you're occluding. And it's just like incredibly painful and the fatigue sets in so, so quick. And it's, it's just not the same it's not the same feeling or stimulus as um, lifting at 80 or 85%, which of course, don't get me wrong, isn't easy if you're doing it the right way, but it's not near as painful as BFR training. So it's really something that you do, like you said, maybe at the end of a session, just for something different, but to still get a hypertrophy strength adaptation in people who are trained so maybe some college athletes, you know, it's not, it's not like contraindicated or anything, but it's, it's more so from my understanding, um, it's great for two populations specifically. And one would be um, like bodybuilders mm-hmm. because what a body, a bodybuilder's main goal um, is to just look large and, and make large muscles. And they don't have to like, they don't have to be the strongest person in the world, but they do have to be big humans. And, you know, it can be very uncomfortable to learn enough compound lifts or movements to train that musculature. So then what they end up doing is training, like you stated earlier, like a lot of isolation movements and they Mm -hmm. target specific muscle groups and specific body parts So if they can occlude at a tiny intensity and still get a similar hypertrophy strength adaptation, then geez, they're, they're saving the stress on their joints big time by not having to train those compound lifts. And then the, um, 
the other population it works for, which is the one you said is older adults or people who can't mm-hmm. comfortably lift at those intensities, you can put a tiny amount of weight on, still perform three sets of 12, three sets of 15, get a hypertrophy, a little bit of hypertrophy and a little bit of strength adaptation without overloading, but still getting the same type of adaptation as training at those intensities. So that's, that's what I gathered. Uh, again, the mechanism, I, I wish I could actually comment on right this second, but I haven't read into it quite enough. Um, although it is, it is increasing in popularity. Um, it involves occluding arteries, um, occluding veins actually. So there's no return. There's nothing going into the leg. There's nothing coming back. Um, I imagine there's some sort of pooling of the blood that leads to that, that pain. And, and when you're under that fatigue, um, yeah. in that limb, but anyways, go ahead, jump in. Yeah. I'm not sure if you ever, uh, it kind of sparks two things here. It's like, I'm not sure if you ever, ever had a tourniquet applied to you and, uh, same thing. Yeah. yeah. And try to work while the tourniquet is, you know, it stinks. It's brutal, but you know, it, you can work through it. Um, that's what exactly what it made me think of. And then to kind of nerding out here a little bit, um, when you said it was used in the, um, in the squat and that you can't, you know, you're essentially training, you know, the, trying to think of the best way to put this where I'm not. So like you said, if your squat is 300 and you're only, maybe you only have 150 on the bar, you know, you might be training, like your intensity is going to be high, but not relative what your actual max is. Does that make sense? So yeah. you're half of that. So what I was thinking too is it could work as one of two ways. It could be beneficial. And now I'm just throwing darts at a board here and tell me if you think I'm wrong and people listening might not even care, but I kind of think it's interesting. So say you're at that 150, right? One, could you be giving your neuromuscular system a break because you're not at that 300 or could it work the opposite and you're not actually training your neuromuscular system to um, recruit all your muscles. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, like, could it work as giving your neuromuscular system a break where you're still, you know, you're still training hard, but you're not near your actual max effort. Um, or could it be the opposite of where, Hey, if you never ever push yourself to that 100% without that, you're never training your neuromuscular system. Because- yeah. I, I don't, I think it's, I think it's your first, it's more your first uh, suggestion that you're giving your neuromuscular system a little bit of a break. Yeah. Um, Because the, the way that it's the way that it manifests in training in bodybuilders or older adults predominantly is, you know, it's not, it's not meant to train the neuromuscular system. Um, It's not meant to coordinate heavy compound movements with multi-joint, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Yes. The example I gave you was ironically, I did a multi-joint and a compound lift with it, but it, it was an experienced lifters. So it's not that I needed to train my neuromuscular system per se. So mm-hmm. I do think it's more of a giving a break or not needing to train it, you know, like, um, 
you know, it's, it's implemented with people who train regularly at the end of a session when their neuromuscular system's already fatigued and you don't have to recruit your entire neuromuscular system to do the movement. So there's another, you know, there's another reason that I think it's your first point and not your second, that, um, it's more of a break for your neuromuscular system. That's, that's where you kind of see it thrown into training at the end of sessions. So that's what my, that's what my guess would be. I don't think, um, I think you're right in the sense that um, it's possible that, you know, there could be some concern that you're not training the neuromuscular system, but you're also not doing BFR for your entire session. And you're not doing yeah. it at the beginning of your session when there's the most neurological um, requirement or, or focus or um, neurological component, I guess, at the onset of your session. So um, the other, oh, I just had something else. The other thing I was going to say about, oh, there it is, um, about this is when you're under that lighter load, the other thing you're not doing is training your spine as if you had 300 pounds on your back. Oh, that's a, yeah, 100% agree. So, so there's the other reason that if you can lift the actual intensity, it's more beneficial because you're not, you're not focusing on a localized area like you do in BFR. Yeah, I wonder how it, like, now that you're saying that you're not training your spine, like, I wonder how it correlates to, um, man, we are going down the science hole tonight, um, like, bone growth, you know what I mean? You know, like, it's like, I, I'm just kind of thinking down, like, you said spine, like, I definitely agree, like, if you have a 300, if you have 405 on your back compared to 225, you know, it's, it's significantly different. Well, that's the thing, it's way less than that, even, even if you can squat 405, BFR would say, you're down around 160 or 180, you know, yeah. for your working yeah. sets. Yeah, I was just, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of points there. It's like, I guess it's specifically, you have to know what you want out of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean if, if you're looking at older adults, the predominant goal of, of an older adult is um, improved quality of life and yeah, absolutely. activities of daily living, right? So it's like, do they need to, of course they need to focus on bone mineral density and reducing that, you know, that attenuation that happens when you age, but if they're resistance training, they are doing that in, to some extent, even if they're not doing those crazy triple extension movements under heavy, heavy loads. So if they can't, if they don't have the spine strength, you know, to do that, then they can still train, you know, as much of their body as possible and get those strength adaptations potentially that will help them, um, with quality of life. So I think that's, that we actually raised some really cool points that I, I didn't remember hearing anything about in that talk, which is really cool. But like you said, I think we're at the point where we're probably getting way too scientific. And honestly, from my perspective, I'm, I'm not even getting scientific enough because I don't, I can't even, I can't even pull the mechanism off the top of my head because I don't even think there is a a consistent one, but I can't even remember exactly what, what he was saying aside from, um, you know, some pooling of the blood and, um, metabolites and waste that aren't, aren't, um, you know, they're not actually, um, uh, dispelled, I guess, um, mm -hmm. you know, or, um, like lactate is buffered. Like some of these metabolic byproducts aren't getting buffered, I guess, and when they stay in there, the buildup um, creates that tension and pain. And um, of course, 
the idea is that it's the same type of adaptation, but I don't, again, I, that's as much as I can really gather. I don't really remember the exact um, mechanism aside from that, but um, what else was I going to say? Ah, that was something that wasn't super sciencey. I don't know anything else you got. Have you ever done it before? Like I said, the only, the extent I have is just messing around. You know, we'd yeah. mess around with some of the athletes at the end of the session, just put on some stuff and kind of, like I said, some tourniquet experience, but not, not specifically training wise. It was for other application. Um, so that was, that was about it. Yeah. So. I don't, I don't think it's something that I would honestly use. Um, I would much rather put the weight on my, put the weight on my spine, put the weight on my back, actually use the intensity. Um, I think a lot of people gravitate towards it also, because when you occlude anything, you get um, a very vascular aesthetic look yeah. while you're lifting. Yeah. So it makes, it makes your body, like if you put it on your upper arm or the top of your leg, it's going to make your leg or your arm look significantly more defined. And then there's, there, honestly, there's an argument made that if you're seeing that aesthetic appearance as you're exercising, that can potentially <laughs> what am i going to say do you know what i'm going to say uh, i don't know verbatim but you probably oh. train hard probably train harder oh yeah but i i meant more physiologically like if you can see that look it might actually stimulate more um testosterone oh and you know i, I think that's literally just like a a disgusting theory and probably completely wrong but i have heard that before never even heard that man yeah but i don't i don't know if that if there's a lot of um backing behind that but i have heard that before that if you <laughs> like a look good feel good kind of thing but um i have zero mirrors in my gym yeah yeah so um <laughs> I'm not hundred percent sure on that. Don't, don't quote me on that. Don't take that one to the bank, but. You know, what makes me think of, um, yeah. I think they're, they're a little different because the other thing I'm going to say, I, I don't think there's any really relative use to them besides people think they look cool, but, um, you know, I think it was another thing people they'll use the blood flow restriction because they think it's like the new cool thing or, Hey, like this works. I seen it in the magazine. Makes me think yeah. of the era when people were running around with those, uh, when they came out like the uh the masks oh when they, gosh it, it, it makes me think of that um like i said they're kind of they're two different animals because there's definitely i feel like a lot more research in the, the blood flow restriction there's a thing behind it but i'm saying like hey something's out of the market like you Dude, see what everyone. were those what were those masks called i don't even remember what they were marketing them as i don't remember but um like uh yeah, I don't know, like a hypoxic something. Yeah, yeah, something like. I mean, you'd be the guy to to talk about um, that stuff with. Um, but so, that's exactly so stupid, though. So stupid those masks. Oh my! It doesn't God. make you think of that a little bit, like you see. Like, yeah, yeah, kinda. It's just like, hey, this works. Don't worry about how it works. Just go do it. You know, and and a lot of people jumped onto those masks too. You're right. I'll have to look up those the name of those masks, but. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think I think the take home is like, look at if you're gonna do it because I I would never prescribe it to someone because I don't know enough about it. Right. Um, same. Same with me. To ever say, hey, these are this is what to do about it, or this is how to do it. Um, so I think for if you're gonna do blood flow restriction, the big thing is 
research it yourself or know someone that or find someone that knows how to do it, pick their brain before you ever um, decide to, you know, strap something on your arms or legs and go to town, you know, yeah. <laughs> I think that'd be, uh, I don't think that'd be the smartest choice. Yeah. And you definitely don't want to totally occlude anything ever. No. Um, Cause that's, that's like, that's pretty dangerous and you're, you're, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah. You could easily, easily hurt yourself. So um, <laughs> I'm sure I'll, that, I'll, I'm sure the state of soreness you put yourself in is crazy too. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, I was just going to say, I definitely did not anticipate attempting a BFR discussion for 30 minutes, but somehow we made it. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of neat, but like you said, you gotta, um, you gotta make sure you understand what you're doing before you get into that for sure. Uh, it's not for everyone. If you know what you're doing with training, if you can, if you can, uh, sustain a heavy load, it, uh, it's equally, if not more beneficial to use that heavy load at lighter loads is where BFR becomes a little bit more beneficial when compared to the lighter load without BFR, which Mm -hmm. makes sense because it stimulates the strength adaptation. When, if you're not using BFR at that lighter load, it's not a strength adaptation, no surprise. Um, it actually also real quick, this is the last point that I forgot to bring up, which is pretty unique. You're not supposed to run with it, right? Because that that could also be dangerous, but you can walk with some uh, partial occlusion in your lower body and see strength adaptations from walking with BFR, which is which I thought was pretty unique. Um, it is unique. Obviously, you're not going to see a strength adaptation from walking a mile without restriction, but when compared to partial occlusion, there were some strength adaptations and changes in um, – Whatever I was trying to say earlier, I completely was blanking, but muscle size, fiber type, transition of fiber types. Um, that's, I think that's what I was saying was capillary density is what I was trying to come up with later, but, or earlier, but I missed it. Um, you know, so you're going to see some of those adaptations just from walking, which I thought was pretty neat. Um, but again, not for me. I don't know enough about it. I don't integrate it. I've never done it on my own. I did it once as part of a study without having any idea of how it worked. And that is the extent of my knowledge, aside from sitting in a talk uh, most recently. From time to time, it's come up for me and like reading something, but I never really dove deep into it because I didn't see how it applied directly to me. Um, I think it'd be really cool to learn a lot more about it. But uh, right now, it's not at the top of my list, but I did think it was would be cool to talk about. Um, yeah that's probably it let's let's wrap that let's wrap it there we'll wrap it there this is episode 45 what else you got you got anything no i think you hit the nail on the head there man um if you're looking to do it you know we'll dive into it um figure it out and implement it yourself correctly and be intelligent um i'm I'm on the same boat as you i have way i have things that are way higher on the list um that i feel are more applicable to me than than that um but you know, maybe we'll do some back research and come back with another episode down the road. I don't know, but that's all I got, man. Yeah, that was that's pretty cool. So, anyways, yeah, be smart, figure it out. If it works for you, cool. If not, leave it alone and just stick to the basics. Because you know what they say: if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? So, anyways, that was episode forty-five. Um, 
keep listening, keep following along. We're really going to try to get 52 episodes in, uh, in the, in this year for sure. We're really close. So we plan to, um, so if you're trying to follow along and subscribe, check it out on Spotify, Podbean, Google podcasts, check us out on social Facebook, Instagram at Hill pursuit, send us an email. If you want Hill pursuit at Gmail, We'd love to connect with you, ask some questions if you want, give us some topics for discussion and, um, you know, just, just stay in touch with the, uh, stay in touch with the website as well. And you'll find all the daily blog stuff, those posts and access to all the other episodes. That's all we got for tonight. This is going to air on Thursday. This is Wednesday night. Late night for me. Is this an early night for you? I forget what you're doing tomorrow. Uh, no, it's average. Average for average for Mitch. Late for Hayden. No <laughs> doubt. <laughs> but uh, glad let's we get, got. Let's get you. Let's get you to bed. Yeah, for real. I do need to get to bed. <laughs> I need. I need my glass of milk and hitting the hay. Actually, I'm kidding. I'm not a glass of milk and hitting the hay. Anyways, um, thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you next time.